Okay, hi guys. So, <coughs> something a little different today, because I don't normally discuss current affairs. That's not really my thing, is it? You won't really see a, a witty commentary on the latest political scandal from me, or uh, you know, a discussion of the latest whatever movie or I don't know whatever. That's not my thing. But I do think I should. Um, cover or at least give my viewpoint on the Dalai Lama situation, which I'm sure you have already been aware of, especially if you're the kind of person who's in this scene, you'll have probably already seen something about what happened with the Dalai Lama and the scandal and the attempted cancellation of the Dalai Lama. They're going to cancel the Dalai Lama like they cancelled all kind of other people recently in the media. It's not the first time they've tried to cancel the Dalai Lama, is it? You know, But uh, the latest one is obviously Bit of a, a doozy of a, <laughs> a bit of a doozy of a scandal. He definitely made a bit of a slip up, didn't he, um, by asking a small child to suck his tongue after kissing the small child on the lips in front of a room full of people, which um, you know it's not a good idea, is it? Especially not in the current climate. But also, an adult male should not really be doing that, unless. And that's, that's what we're going to look at today, and I'm going to discuss a little bit, we take the cultural context into account. And let's see, can we take the cultural, cultural context into account, or can we not? I think it's relevant as well. I'll tell you what, partially actually, because I have not one, but four people, um, individuals reach out, including one Lama, um, not the Dalai Lama, that would be strange, another Lama, who reached out and asked me to actually give my viewpoint on this situation. Um, I don't know why. I'm not. Like, I'm flattered that some people would think my word carries any weight, but I don't know why. I don't think it carries any weight. I'm not a Vajrayana practitioner. Um, I've actually spent, you know, enough time around the tradition between, you know, when I was younger, I had a Vajrayana teacher. Um, and then when I was in Asia, I've spent time in India and Dharamasala and uh, recently went to Bhutan, even though that was only a very short trip, and, and had encounters with Vajrayana. So I'm not completely unversed in that tradition, but I wouldn't call myself an expert by any stretch of the imagination. But it's still relevant, I guess, no matter what spiritual tradition you're in, is a very major, probably the most famous, yeah, I would say that's true, isn't it? Most famous and most influential celebrity, for want of a better term, within the spiritual art scene, isn't he? So it doesn't matter whether you study Chan or Zen or Taoism or Hinduism or, or whatever, you know, like, New Age is still the Dalai Lama is a very prominent figure. Like I say, the closest you really have to a celebrity within this scene, even though some might find that a strange word to apply to a Lama. I mean, he definitely has a, a rock style, rock style lifestyle in some ways, doesn't he? I mean, I don't think he's on uh, cocaine binges every night, hookers and throwing TVs out of hotel windows or anything. I don't think he lives that kind of lifestyle, but he's certainly jet setting around, you know, traveling around on a private jet talking to large groups of people everywhere and receiving adoration from many, many people on a regular basis. So we can't really argue that he's a massively influential person with a lot of power and who has a lot of sway. And I think he has the eyes, the ears, and dare I say the hearts and the minds of thousands of people. Is it tens of thousands of people? Possibly, I don't know, who admire this person as a beacon of compassion. So for that reason, I think it's relevant for any uh, internal artist or spiritual practitioner to take note of this situation and, and what has happened. 
So I guess you've all seen it, but like I say, what happened was whilst talking in front of an audience um, on camera, I believe back in February, but the video has only really come around now, which has sparked all kinds of conspiracy theories. Is it an attempt by the Communist Party of China to get rid of him? So they've put this video out. Is it the media's attempt to cancel it? Or is it just that sometimes a video gets shared a bit late and then picks up traction on the internet? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know to what degree this kind of targeted attack on people takes place probably <laughs> probably quite often um but it doesn't really matter like the video is still the video um but if you didn't see it yes like i say a, a small indian boy asked to have a hug off of him which i think they had to translate because the dalai lama didn't quite understand um so he gave the boy a hug and then he held him a little bit too he gave him the old uh, you know muay thai clinch on the back of the neck if you haven't seen it like he was going to drive his knee in or something but he, he brought him in close for you can tell that's what i use that position for brought him in close for a hug and then um gave him a kiss on the cheek or he asked him to kiss him on the cheek all okay so far hug kiss on the cheek of the boy not so bad you know what i mean a little bit um unusual but fine then he was like now here and got the boy to kiss him on the mouth which to me the boy looked a little uncomfortable at this stage um and then after that asked the boy to suck his tongue in front of everybody which is a little disturbing and I, and quite rightly so a lot of people were disturbed by this so this is what started the arguments afterwards about whether it was cultural misunderstandings or, or whatever that's what i want to look at a little bit obviously a lot of people were highly distraught by this video i think especially if to you that screamed out kind of child sex abuse and brought about you know, sort of images of the Pope and the Catholic Church and the scandals that had happened there and maybe your own child abuse scandals or whatever, uh, child abuse scandal, child abuse experiences, sorry, or whatever. Like, you know, it triggered a lot of people and it went into reactivity mode and I saw the comments raging from, he's a raging pedo to kill him to like all sorts of extreme things. And then, of course, you get the other side where people are defending him, saying it's cultural. I think very... Um, sort of probably one of the most widely shared videos I saw afterwards was by a, a Tibetan guy, or Vajrayana guy, I, I probably shouldn't assume his nationality, but definitely of Asian descent, a Vajrayana practitioner, put out his own video, like a 20, 17 to 20 minute thing, um, explaining the cultural context of what happened. And I thought it was really interesting. This video went out and they said, here, see the whole thing, not just an edited, doctored thing. Um, claiming that the original video was cut to make the Dalai Lama look worse. And of course, the video they put out was cut and edited to make the Dalai Lama look better. Obviously, it's cut and edited because as well as the original footage, they slot in uh, a, a, a man explaining away the Dalai Lama's behavior, which by the very definition of it means it's edited. So you can't say this is an unedited video when you've edited it. It would be like me saying this is unedited and then I cut it and then you got two minutes of another person talking about something explaining why i'm such a charming individual and then it cuts back to this video that is edited that's what the nature of editing is so <laughs> this video that went everywhere basically was also edited to put a positive slant on on what is happening so th this is it isn't it this is the age we live in the age of division and polarity and goodies and baddies and evil and righteousness and he's either all compassion or he's evil and he's a child sex trafficker and there's no nuance once again nothing in the middle so i'll give my take on it in fact i received a fair amount of attacks about this as well 
because my take on it was that actually the Dalai Lama was in the wrong in this situation. But I also did not say that I stated that the Dalai Lama was a paedophile. Definitely not. And I don't believe that this is evidence of that. But I do believe he made a major fuck-up and that that should be addressed. But because I said he made a major fuck-up, the amount of attacks, um, which I don't mind, it's not an attack actually because it didn't really hurt, but the disagreements I got off of Vajrayana apologists, as I would call them, were directed at me because they assumed that that meant I thought he was a paedophile. And it, it, again, it's like, guys, don't be so caught up on these two poles. It's not one thing or the other. There's a complex situation in the middle. And he made a mistake. And the very act of the fact he made a mistake is what's more telling to me than anything else. So let's explore it. So first things first, um, the cultural side of it, the cultural argument, if you haven't seen it, which is probably going to be people who've just watched the mainstream media and some popular commentators pulling the Dalai Lama apart, which is what they've done. They haven't given the cultural context. You might not know. So essentially in Tibetan Buddhism, apparently, I'm not an expert on such things, that a one way to greet people is to stick out your tongue, which apparently comes from some 5th century, 15th century, there was a five in it, who knows, some kind of past uh, king that was considered to be evil, um, who was said to have a black tongue. I guess this is a mythological thing, or maybe he had a lot of latent cold, I don't know. But they would stick out their tongue to show they weren't a demon or they weren't a bad person. So in Tibet, and I have seen this actually, when I was um, in Tibetan Kuns, I did actually see people sticking their tongue out a lot as a greeting. So part of the argument is, that sticking out your tongue is a greeting, so therefore it's socially acceptable. What the Dalai Lama did is, was he was sticking out his tongue to show he wasn't a black-tongued devil. That argument's okay, and I kind of get it, that culturally that's okay, but I would also argue that in the West, sticking out your tongue is culturally okay. For example, often when I'm walking down the street in a country I know, such as England or America, or I know it's socially acceptable, if there's a kid and someone's carrying a kid and the kid gives you a look, I often stick my tongue out and whatever at the kid and the kid laughs. And so I stick my tongue out like this at children and they stick their tongue out back and that's okay and it's fun. And it, it's, you know, that's something I've done. But what I've never done is walked up to that child and said, please suck my tongue. <laughs> that would seem like an inappropriate step beyond sticking your tongue out. So I think that cultural argument we can actually scrap. I think the whole thing about look at my tongue, it's not black. That's not what the Dalai Lama was doing to me. He asked the child to suck his tongue. So then the other argument they say is that it was a linguistic thing that he mixed up see and sung, uh, suck. So he was saying see my tongue, not suck my tongue. Again, I think that's a bad argument because as well as saying see my tongue, he leant in towards the child and put his tongue out near the child's mouth. I don't, like, that's not the best body language. I mean, I, that's not the best body language just in general, full stop with anybody, let alone a child. Not with a woman, not with, like, just don't do it. That's not something to do. So I think that's discountable. And also, I've seen the Dalai Lama have conversations in English. I've been in attendance at events, uh, well, only once actually. I've been attended once and a, a thing with the Dalai Lama was speaking in front of a crowd. And I watched him for a fairly long length of time communicating in, in English, not making such errors. Um, and I also think if you had made that error, it'd be easy to correct very, very quickly on spot. So I don't agree with that. So then the third cultural thing they would say is that there's a saying called eat my tongue, bite my tongue, eat my tongue or something. And I might have this wrong. Tibetan experts, I apologize. I'm sure you'll jump on me for making an error in this if you're watching this. 
the idea is that um, it's almost like a whole feeding from mouth to mouth thing. Like I have given you everything. I've given you my food. I've given you my candy. All that's left is my tongue. Eat my tongue. It's like a, a sort of colloquialism. How do you say that? Or like a, an old phrase or saying from in the Tibetan. So the argument was he was saying eat my tongue but mistook it for suck my tongue which if you were saying eat my tongue could be a cultural thing from his region of tibet so i think that that's the cultural things covered and then of course the last thing they're saying is just a bit of a jokester and a trickster and because he is a divine being of compassionate perfection that there's no sexual connotation or inappropriate connotation to asking a child to suck his tongue that's the other argument he's just playing around you know like if he'd sort of tweaked his nose or pulled his hair or something like that whatever in fact i did see people try to liken it to pulling a beard because i believe he met russell brand i saw him at least pulling russell brand's beard one time and they tried to liken it to that and it's like well that's true but he didn't ask russell brand to suck his tongue did he that's <laughs> that's a different thing again so here's the thing why is it culturally okay for him to joke around and ask a child to suck his tongue but what if he'd asked an adult male or an adult woman to suck his tongue like i don't believe he would have done that so therefore, there's clearly a cultural difference between a child and an adult, and probably the difference between asking a child to suck your tongue and an adult to suck your tongue is probably the sexual inappropriateness of such a thing with an adult or someone of the opposite gender like a woman. So why, if that's sexually inappropriate for those people, is it sexually appropriate for a child? I mean, there's all these kind of questions around this act, but I think it's irrelevant. I'm literally only covering the basis of cultural things because my actual take on it is that I don't believe you can suddenly assume that the Dalai Lama is a child abuser or a pedophile from what he did. I don't think you can. I think that's jumping the gun. I think that's jumping to conclusions. And I think that level of reactivity from many people is wrong. I do agree that there is a hyper-reactive um, segment of society that will see even the slightest thing and then accuse someone of being a pedophile. And I saw people calling for him to be arrested and things. And it's like, come on, guys. I think that's a little bit early. So I'm not in that camp. I don't think you can jump to that conclusion. Truth be told, if that act is enough, what he did in front of a crowd to prove that he is a pedophile, Joe Biden would have been arrested long ago, along with many other celebrities and politicians for equally as creepy behavior. And okay, Joe Biden didn't ask a child to suck his tongue, but he certainly does sniff grope and grab them in a very inappropriate fashion in front of crowds and there's also reports that we know from uh, you know people close to him and his family members even of him being inappropriate on many levels so he would have been arrested long ago so in the name of double standards we certainly can't assume that um, you know the Dalai Lama is a pedophile from this what I would say is that it does show a red flag level behavior that's how I would view it as a human being, um, I think that any person that is in a position of power is subject to higher levels of scrutiny than normal. I think that's unavoidable um, and, and should be. I think they, they should be. Like, look, I don't have any power. I don't have any position. Uh, but compared, compared to the Dalai Lama, like nothing, obviously. But compared to some people, maybe a little bit more because I run a school and I talk in public and some people don't know why listen to me and it's a very very minuscule amount of people it's very very small my influence is tiny and yet i'm still 
subject to higher degrees of public scrutiny perhaps than some others. And there's an automatic assumption, for example, even in the Qigong world or Tai Chi world, that if you're a little bit better known, and please, my ego does not think I'm really well known, but a little bit better known, that you're fair game to any kind of criticism and slander and abuse and scrutiny. Now, when I first started receiving this online, it was, you know, it upset me. But now, it doesn't bother me at all. Like, I really don't mind. There's entire websites set up (laughs) saying what a terrible person I am or large sections of this website devoted to it. I don't mind because that's a part of what happens. People punch up. And because people are either untrusting or disliking of people above them or, or maybe sometimes even their success sets off some kind of feeling of inadequacy within them, then they will abuse them and, and they will say things and they will vent towards them. And truth be told, that's a part of the territory. I can't really complain about it any more than, you know, like it's only the same as me saying I don't like the vast majority of politicians. And I would openly say, I just did about Joe Biden, but I also would about many other politicians uh, because I don't, because to me, that's someone that I can punch up towards. I can be critical of their position, but I can't be critical of somebody who's unknown. I can't do that because that's the way life works. You punch up. So I think with somebody in the position of the Dalai Lama, huge amounts of spiritual influence, he should be subject to criticism and critique and, I don't know, inspection. People should look at that because... If he's inspected and looked at and all his behavior is great and down the line and perfect and he's not hypocritical in any way, then there's no danger, then all the better. Perfect. That's absolutely great. His position is good. But it's dangerous to let any human being, including the Dalai Lama, no matter how much you love him and how much you love his his, his little orange outfit and his sense of humor and his glass and his sort of little grasses and his sort of granddad vibe that he has like it doesn't matter how much you like all that stuff or indeed how loyal you are to the Vajrayana tradition it's dangerous to take any human being and make them completely exempt to any kind of scrutiny so therefore if you have someone who is subject to scrutiny as they should be and then he asks a child to suck his tongue in front of an audience of people he should be subject to scrutiny. So therefore, that is a red flag. So what I believe should happen is that people around him or close to him, maybe not loyal to him, but you know, like within that space, whoever it might be, should look at that situation and check, is this red flag warranted? Are we going to get to a situation where the Dalai Lama has died, passed away, which won't be that long, he's 87, you know what I mean? And like, and then five years down the line, 10 years down the line, 15 years after his death, it's all going to come out that he was abusing children for a really long time and the people, maybe some of the other people were covering up. It's not impossible for that to be the case. Just like politicians and celebrities in the UK and I'm sure around the rest of the world, I'm talking Savile level people, Jimmy Savile, were found to be paedophiles and necrophiliacs actually with Jimmy Savile. It's a little bit disturbing. Were found to be massive abusers after their death. And because it's after the death, nothing can be done. But during their lifetime, it was covered up or people looked the other way. I wouldn't believe it. But after their death, you know, it's like, oh, my God, why didn't we see that happening? Well, you should have seen that happening because it was really fucking obvious it was happening. And I think with the sense of somebody like the Dalai Lama, like I say, don't jump to conclusions. I don't believe he's I don't actually believe he's a child abuser. I don't. I don't think he is. I don't have a lot of. I have other problems with him, but I don't believe he's a child abuser. But at the same time, if that behavior is seen as a red flag for any other human being, 
regardless of their culture, then the Dalai Lama should be subject to the same scrutiny, I believe, and it should be looked at, just so you don't get that situation further down the line. The cultural thing. This is my other take on it with regards to the cultural thing. If you're on the world stage and international, like he has been for many, many years, then you need to understand that culture is different across the planet and you have the entire world's eyes on you. So it doesn't matter what your culture might be in your region of Tibet. Maybe your actions are relevant in your region of Tibet. Now, if you are not a world stage speaker and you have no experience of such things, you might commit social faux pas. Even on a smaller scale, I see people move from one country to another. I'm an immigrant in this country of Bali. I've been an immigrant in the country of Thailand. I've been an immigrant in the country of Portugal. I guess the politically correct term we use for white people is uh, expat, but really that's what it is. I'm someone who's moved from one place to another. And of course, at different times, when I've gone to those countries, I've committed very, very minor social faux pas because I've learned the manners of the people, but sometimes the customs are a little different. But it doesn't take me very long to catch on. I'm like, okay, this is, okay, this is how I work within this society, within this community, and I understand it. Now, if I'm on the world stage speaking in front of thousands of people internationally, I need to understand that there is a global culture that I need to adhere to that is separate from my own. That is a part of your responsibility, unless you're going to say, only people from my culture should listen to me. So I will only speak in my native tongue to people from that native country, and everyone else can ignore me. But the Dalai Lama is not that person. So if you are talking to an international crowd of thousands, which is what he's always doing when people are looking at cameras and filming you and things like that, you need to understand that globally the culture is you don't make intimate contact with children. It's not that difficult. It's not that hard a rule. It's not like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, it, you don't ask a small child to suck your tongue. That is culturally not acceptable to the vast majority of countries across the planet. I would say every country, unless it's a weird one, that's not culturally acceptable. And especially at the moment in the current climate of not only cancel culture, because that makes me sound like I think it's bad, but of like all of the scandals and things coming out about, about abuses of power amongst people and child sex abuse. Operation U-Tree in Europe, for example, England was only, wasn't it? And things like this. It's a very hot topic, which he must know. He's not a stupid man. He is aware. So therefore, if that culture is there, this is an extra a special error on his part. This is a mistake. If it's not a red flag to something more serious then therefore he has committed an error. So here's my take on it. I thought he was a master of awareness. He's a meditation master. Isn't he the head of the Vajrayana tradition, the 14th, 15th, 14th, sorry, reincarnation of the Dalai Lama, which means he's naturally imbued with enlightened qualities. People believe he's a fully transcended and awakened being that I've even heard people saying he's the reincarnation or the avatar if you like is probably more accurate than reincarnation avatar of the bodies out for of compassion on earth these are very high-minded ideals now whether the dalai lama would say this about himself is irrelevant because if other people project that onto you then therefore you must accept that that's how people are going to view you now i've been around vajrayana practitioners um, and seen how they are around lamas and seen how they talk about the Dalai Lama that go into the knees in front of his feet and receiving like the embodiment of, oh, he's the epitome of compassion. 
If he's a master of meditation, then he should be aware. And you should be aware of your actions on the stage. Now, realistically, I'm not a master of awareness. I'm not a master of meditation. So therefore, I should be more likely to commit such a... Well, hang on. I wouldn't get a child to suck my tongue. Oh, no, that's stupid. But I'm more likely to commit some kind of etiquette social faux pas in front of an audience because I'm not a master of awareness. But if I was a master of awareness, like the Dalai Lama, a master of meditation, I would expect his mindfulness, his awareness to be at such a level where this did not happen. So then the counter-argument would be, well, he's 87, maybe he's senile. One of the claims of meditators is that senility does not affect them because of their meditation practice. The brain does not break down in that way. And I have heard Vajrayana people say such things. So therefore, that would demonstrate to me that if you're going to use the senility argument, you don't believe in the potential of Vajrayana or meditation or that you don't believe his position. Is the Dalai Lama an avatar of the body's zapper of compassion, uh, of the, you know, whatever, of, of Chen Rezig or whatever? No. No. This has long been my problem. People think I have a problem with Vajrayana. I don't, actually. Not at all. Clearly, Vajrayana has achieved some very amazing things. Rainbow body and entities and, you know, like, blah, amazing stuff. But I am critical of any tradition that would elevate somebody in the eyes of others to the level of being a perfect embodied deity upon this earth. That's not true. He is a human being. And all human beings are infallible. So this idea of perfect perfect anything is just nonsense. It's absolute nonsense and it's dangerous. Because that means that if somebody is viewed that way, they are above scrutiny. And if they're above scrutiny, then they need to be perfect. And if they're going to be perfect, they need to not commit these social faux pas. Now what I would say is that I'm not actually critical of the Dalai Lama. Not really. Because I think the Dalai Lama is a politician, not an ascended master. He is a politician and a world leader and a country leader and a leader of his people. And that's the position he was born into. And as a politician, I don't expect him to be perfect. And sure, uh, I'm sure he's done some Buddhist practice, but he is not an ascended master. And this is a part of the reason when people try to attribute spiritual qualities onto politicians, which is what they're trying to do to the Dalai Lama, and that is where it becomes dangerous. And as a politician, he's also in the class of people that, let's be honest, more likely to abuse children anyway, along with priests and things. I mean, he's in both red flag categories. He's a politician and he's of the priestly class. What has life told us about those patterns? I'm kind of kidding, sort of. But he's not an ascended master. He's not an enlightened being, definitely not. So subject to fallibility. So again, I want to reiterate, I don't believe the Dalai Lama is a child abuser. Actually, I think he committed an error. I think he committed a very stupid error, a very basic level error that he should not have committed. So how about this? In 2009, the Dalai Lama spoke at the Nixium event held by Keith Renier, which obviously, I probably said his name wrong. We know that if you don't, well, if you don't know what Nixium was, it was a self-help group or sold as a self-help group that turned out to be a savage cult that uh, created a, <laughs> that trafficked women, I think is the phrase they use, into a personal sexual harem for the leader of the cult, which is not that unusual for cults, is it? But this is where it gets weird. He then branded on the inside of their thigh his initials, like scarred these women. I mean, that is, Nixium was a very, very brutal cult and Keith Renier is now in prison for a long time, along with some of his close 
followers, such as Alison Mack, who I believe is an actress, but I never saw anything she was in. So we have a cult, a sinister sex cult full of abuse, financial abuse, sexual abuse, where they physically scar and brand their members. Now, in 2009, the Dalai Lama attended one of their events, um, or attended an event with Keith Renier, where he placed a kata, a ceremonial scarf of respect, around the neck of Keith Rania in front of an audience and in front of cameras and everything like this. That's obviously another faux pas. So what you have is a Dalai Lama give, putting, placing a kata around the, a scarf, ceremonial scarf, around the neck of an abusive, physically abusive and sexually abusive cult leader, one of the biggest scandals of our time. The argument is that Keith Rania paid a million dollars, which I think the Dalai Lama's lot have denied but uh, who knows and there's another llama involved who was also sexually inappropriate with it's it's a mess so here's here's my take on this right for a normal person for a politician for a old man or whatever just a person just a human you can't blame the dalai lama for that definitely not he wasn't to know like he definitely wasn't there. How can you know what someone's actions are? I'm sure I've met people, shaken hands with people and spoken to people who, you know, have committed crimes that I didn't know about or have been to prison afterwards or things like that. I'm sure that's happened. So the association of the Dalai Lama with Keith Renier doesn't matter because he's a human being. But if he truly is the ascended meditation master and the head of Vajrayana, well, then he should be aware of the nature of Keith Renier. So this was an argument I had with a Buddhist friend of mine. Oh, a disagreement. It didn't get, actually, they called me some names, but I, I was as respectful as I could be. But a disagreement I had with a Buddhist friend was, look, I've been around meditation masters, of which I don't believe the Dalai Lama is one, okay? I've been around meditation masters, and one thing they are is acutely aware of everything and the nature of people. There is a psychic eminence that arises from someone who's mastered meditation. Now, some people might not believe in that, and I get it. They wouldn't, because you've never been around a meditation master. You just haven't. But one of the things that happens is their awareness becomes so good that it goes beyond them into other people and positions and places, so that when they meet somebody, they know their character. So if I took one of these meditation masters and they met Keith Rainier within about a minute, two minutes, they would know what Keith Rainier was like. There was no way they would place a ceremonial scarf around his neck. What they would do is walk away from that person at the very bare minimum, saying this is a bad person with a very corrupt heart that I don't wish to be around. And I know that's the case because I've seen them do it. I've seen medita meditation masters refuse to associate with someone because their insight, because they're masters of meditation, insight and awareness and clarity, is given the ability to know what that person is. So they walked away. So therefore, the Dalai Lama in 2009 demonstrated that he is not at that level. So therefore, he is not a master of meditation, clarity, awareness, or insight. Now, to be perfectly honest, you only have to watch an interview with Keith Rainier, and it's amazing nobody ever figured out he was a bit sinister anyway. I mean, he's clearly a sociopath in his videos, but maybe we could say hindsight is a wonderful thing. So who knows? Maybe that's biased on my part. But... This would suggest to me that the Dalai Lama, like I say, is just a human being, not the body's up for of compassion, not perfection, not a meditation master, not a master of awareness. He's a politician and a spiritual leader with a Buddhist intellectual and philosophical background and education. Now, do I think that makes the Dalai Lama a good leader for his people? Yeah, probably. I think a Buddhist education and intellectual and philosophical is definitely not the worst thing. But I do think it's dangerous if these qualities are attributed to him. Of, of being this sort of perfection incarnate. 
So here's my take on it. All of that information comes down to this. Do I think the Dalai Lama is a pedophile? No, not from the evidence that is given. I don't think he is. But do I think the Dalai Lama is a perfect master of his tradition? No, no, I don't. I think he's a human being and he finds himself in a position of leadership. And because of that, because he is not perfect and he is not the body sufferer of compassion, I believe it puts him in a place where he should be subject to scrutiny. He shouldn't be subject to immediate cancellation or immediate abuse or immediate, you know, decisions made that he's a child sex trafficker or something crazy like this. But human beings should look at him and go, okay, this is a red flag. Maybe this is something we should rationally explore. So in the meantime, the Dalai Lama should probably be given a very strong talking to by some of his advisors, because I'm sure he has PR people around him, to explain to him the faux pas of what he has done, so that he understands that even if it was completely harmless, even if there was no malintent, and he was playing around like they said he was, that it doesn't happen again. Because it's his responsibility as a world leader to not do those kinds of things and not to give the impression that that kind of behavior with children is okay because it's not. It doesn't matter if some obscure corner of Tibet or some tribe of Tibet or some whatever in some far-flung region of the world that they got kicked out of ages ago by the Chinese anyway has this as a cultural norm He's not in that region of Tibet. He is on the world stage and eyes of the entire planet are looking at him. So therefore, he should not be demonstrating that behavior. And that's what his PR team or his advisors should be doing. As a side note, the apology that they put out on social media was terrible as well. It was really bad. They apologized for, you know, it was like a flippant apology that didn't really apologize. I didn't think it was very good. Now, as somebody who has committed much lesser, I've never asked a child to suck my tongue and never will, as someone who's committed much smaller errors within even my school where I've said something rude or inappropriate or something like this, I've actually, if I've recognized that it's caused problem, one of the first things I did is, is give a very heartfelt apology because I would never wish to cause those problems or to create misunderstanding. It wasn't done through five lines. It was normally me speaking to a camera or speaking to the people directly or writing something longer to apologize. And the, basically the aim of such a thing was sincerity. And a short Instagram or Facebook post of a few words where you didn't even fully state what you did, you said, you know, the, the apology basically says the child asked for the hug. What the apology doesn't say is the Dalai Lama then kissed him on the lips held him close for an uncomfortably long time and then asked the child to suck his tongue. That wasn't mentioned. They left that bit out. It's almost like a little bit of, you know, <laughs> excluding some of the full truth or leaving it out. Um, that's not enough. So my hope actually for the Dalai Lama is that in the coming weeks, I get it, he's laying low. Probably that's wise too. But in the coming weeks, I think he should issue a full apology and expl explanation. Um, and if it is innocent, which, you know, I hope it is, then he should explain that away and say, look, it was an innocent error. I made a mistake. I recognize there's cultural differences between how I should behave on the public arena. It was a big error. I really hope you guys don't misunderstand this. I'm hugely against any kind of abuse of any living being, including all children, which we should protect at all times. I think that would be the perfect action. But I'm not the advisor of the Dalai Lama. I'm just some idiot on YouTube, so they won't listen to me. Last couple of thoughts. You know, so hopefully that makes sense. That's my position on the Dalai Lama. It's that I don't believe he's perfect. 
Um, I think it's dangerous when people do. I also don't think he's a child abuser necessarily. I just think he committed an error, a big mistake, and that probably he should be open to scrutiny now. That's really what it comes down to, which I think is actually a bit of a fence-sitting view, isn't it? I'm not really extreme towards other camp. I just believe in being cautious because it would be horrible to find out that there was problems. It would be not only devastating to the Adriana tradition and, and spiritual practice in general, but also to children that hadn't been protected in that time. So I think that's important. And when I said that to some Vajrayana practitioners, they still were enraged. Like, how dare you suggest the body's out for of compassion be subject to scrutiny? I don't think that's a I don't think that's an unreasonable thing for me to ask personally. I think you're projecting perfection onto an unperfected being. The other thing I saw, last one I want to talk about actually, I should have mentioned it earlier, was there was one view that this was my favorite view, favorite view of inappropriateness. Vajrayana practitioners, this was this is not me, this is their view. I would like to discount this is not my view. Vajrayana practitioners can't possibly be sexually abusive with children because, and this is what I was told, and this is what I saw written a few times. Vajrayana practitioners shut down the sexual channel and fill their bodies with bliss instead, so they're incapable of feeling any kind of sexual inappropriateness towards anybody. My face probably says it all. Obviously, that is not true. There are well-documented cases, many of them, of Vajrayana practitioners, Not that, and that's not different from any other tradition, that's not different from Hinduism, yoga, Taoism, Catholic Church, anywhere, sports teachers, school teachers, politicians, anywhere where there are humans, there is fallibility. But there are many documented cases of Vajrayana lamas and practitioners sexually abusing children and students, including some famous ones in the West, that I still see a blind eye turn to their baby, oh, oh, it was a spiritual lesson they were trying to teach us. No, they were just abusive. There's no other ways to look at it. And that argument of like they're incapable of doing such a thing, that's a dangerous view. That's a dangerous view that should not be passed on to practitioners or members within a school because that is not true. Clearly, that is not true. One of the eminent teachers, Kalu Rinpoche, who I got to see briefly in Bhutan this year, a, a young, fairly muscly, he's a bit muscly for a Vajrayana practitioner. He's like a Vajrayana practitioner pumped up you know i mean like <laughs> he's a fit fella and he was doing um you know he was uh practices demonstrating the yoga of the tradition and quite a controversial character uh, i noticed among many of the lamas but i don't have an opinion on that because i i don't know him and i don't know the tradition that well but i mean he himself has released statements on youtube saying that he was rather horribly sexually abused when he was a young child in the monasteries which is a horrible thing to happen to anybody and and then on top of that further i've seen that he's received abuse from some people for even saying such a thing which is terrible he's someone trying to come to terms with an awful thing while being in a position of power so i have empathy for him on that level but that's the kali that's kali rinpoche himself you know coming out saying that there is sexual abuse within the vajrayana tradition so that whole argument it's not possible for a monk to do such a thing obviously that's idiotic that is very stupid I would also say as well that even though I don't believe people should be overly reactive and immediately go, he's a pedophile, lock him up, cut off his legs or something. I don't think people should do that. At the same time, I can understand it. And perhaps it's also not the worst thing that hyperreactivity exists around the protection of children. Maybe it's better that we live in a world where that's there and then, okay, sometimes it's a problem. But I quite like the fact that people were so ready to 
defend or they're worried about the vulnerability of a child. Maybe that's a good thing, even if that hyperactivity makes people jump to conclusions that aren't quite there. So ultimately, my take on it, like most things generally, I generally believe in nuance. I generally believe in there being complications with any situation is I simply believe that the extreme of thinking that that is a sign that he's a pedophile is wrong. And I also believe the extreme of defending him 100% under the guise of it being a cultural thing is also wrong. Because of his position, this needs to be looked at, this event, and something needs to change. And he committed a major error. And I think that's what politicians do. So that's my take on the Dalai Lama. And probably <laughs> some people won't like that view. And, and that's okay, because I'm not a master of awareness. So I can accidentally commit such faux pas. Thanks, guys.